Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hand me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attend. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depth, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I sail on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, "Surely, the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me," even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being; you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you, when I was made in a secret place, when I was woven together in the depth of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. Before one of them came to be, how precious to me are your thoughts, God! How fast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in a way everlasting. Amen. Thank you so much,、uh, Yang Yang, for、uh, reading God's word for us. If hopefully one day、um, the whole COVID crisis would be over, we don't know when that will be, but let's hope and pray. And if we would look back on this whole period, then of which part of the crisis would you think of as the hardest part? Um, would you think the first part, when it just begun, or later on? I assume most of us think later on it became harder. At least when I look at myself, and、uh, last Friday we heard, heard about new light lockdown. I thought, I、uh, know, not again, not again. <laughs>、um, so 
when it's going on, it becomes harder. This also, in some way, applies to the Christian life. It's one thing to become a Christian. It's another thing to persevere, to hold on. Now, I don't say it's easy when you become a Christian. And now, I don't mean with that to become a nominal Christian. Just go to church, assume you're a good person, uh, and so on. But really to turn to Jesus, to live with him out of his forgiveness and grace, to live the new life. Often that goes together with some struggles, how people respond around you, or the fight to live a holy life. That is not easy. But to be and to become a Christian and to persevere is not something like running a short track, but it's like running the marathon. And especially when it's, goes on, when it's going on and you don't see the finish yet, can be hard at times. And sometimes you may feel tempted to, to give up or to give in to your sins, to think, well... Heaven and paradise and the kingdom, it's taking so long, let's have my own paradise. Let's not bother anymore about my faith. Now what can help us to persevere and to go on in times when it is hard? Well, this is not a new question. God's people throughout all ages have faced this question. What helps us persevere? Now, in the previous weeks we have been listening to the book of Psalms and as I have told you repeatedly the book of Psalms is a book of prayers, a book of hymns of God's people and led by God's King. These prayers are there to help us persevere, to go on. And the book of Psalms contains uh, five volumes. The first two volumes are mainly uh, prayers of King David, and it ends with Psalm 72. There you see the great king and the great kingdom we are all looking for and longing for. However, when we look at Israel's history, for many years they were using these psalms, singing these psalms. So the kings after David were singing these psalms and praying and the the people of God. But where did it end? It did not end with that king and that kingdom, to the, to, on the contrary, it ended with the exile of Israel. No temple, no palace, no Jerusalem, no king at all. They were brought far away to Babylon. So it seemed further away than ever. And they didn't know how long will it take until the kingdom is there. So they added a new volume to the book of Psalms. They continued to sing them, but there is a third volume. The middle volume of the book of Psalms is all containing uh, uh, Psalms of the exile. And then followed the last two volumes, volume 4 and volume 5. And, well, these prayers continue to look forward to the day that the kingdom of God is there. And it ends with five wonderful psalms, 145 until 150, and they are filled with hallelujahs, especially if you uh, read or sing Psalm 150. It's 
The whole universe has become one hallelujah. There is all praise and glory and, and, and the kingdom is there. But near to that, uh, that great finish, the way is not easy. If you read Psalm 137, it's a prayer from the exile. It's so hard to be so far away from Jerusalem and far away from everything that was promised. Now what helps you when it is hard and you don't know how long will it be? What can help you? Well, it's nice to see that after Psalm 137, a psalm of the exile, eight psalms of David follow again. So in different times, times of the exile, when King David was a long time ago, they again would turn to the old psalms to help them get further and continue. Now, Psalm 138 is a wonderful psalm uh, remembering that when we cry out to God, God hears us and God will help us. God will deliver us. He has always done so. Remember the Exodus when the people of Israel were in Egypt. They cried to God and God would hear them and deliver them and bring them out of slavery to the promised land. And then the following Psalms of David um, are Psalms to help you persevere. Are Psalms to help you um, go on in, in, in hard times. Times as we are in now. Psalm 139. What is David doing here in a difficult time of his life? He is meditating on who God is. On who the Lord is and has been for him. He meditates upon the attributes of God. He has learned these attributes from God's history with his people and also in his own life. So the attributes of God is not theory, it is theolo theo theology, but it's practical. And so should it be for us. If you are in difficult times, we, I, I think we are all inclined to meditate upon our problems. But if you do that, the problem becomes bigger and bigger, and God is farther and further, further and further away from you. So you'd better not meditate upon your troubles and then ask, where is God? But you'd better meditate upon who is God, who is the Lord, and then from knowing the Lord, look at your troubles. That's a better way of doing things. Now that's what Psalm 139 is all about. To think of God, meditate upon who God is, how he has been revealed to us in his word and what that means for you, and then uh, use that for your prayer. For that's important, that if you are in a difficult time with it, you should go to God, you should pray. Now if we look at Psalm 139, it contains three parts. Uh, the first part is by far the longest part, are verses 1 to 18. In verses 1 to 18, David meditates upon the attributes of the Lord and these inspire him to pray with praise to God. So his meditations are alternated by utterances of praise. Then the next part, verses 
19 to 21, here um, he meditates upon the Lord and in prayer he takes his position before God and towards God's enemies. And then in the last part, verses 23 and 24, he meditates upon who the Lord is and uses this in his prayer to, to prepare for the way ahead. So three parts, again, first mainly about praise, then taking your position, and then finally about preparing yourself for the way ahead. Let's have a closer look at this wonderful and very uh, important psalm. First part, David meditates upon the attributes of God. Whatever is there in his life, the Lord knows. And wherever he is, the Lord sees. And whenever he is there in life, even from his earliest beginnings, the Lord is his maker, his creator. He has created him, he has prepared him, he has prepared all his days, so the Lord knows his past, Lord knows his future. So whatever, whenever, wherever, the Lord is there. How great. And this is very comforting for David, and when people of all ages use this psalm to pray and to sing, it should be comforting for us as well. So, whatever is there, the Lord knows me. So sometimes you may feel a bit lonely, especially you can feel very lonely when nobody really knows you, when nobody is really interested in what is going on in you, what are your thoughts, uh, what, what, what uh, are your concerns. When nobody knows, you feel lonely. But David doesn't feel lonely. No, David says, Lord, you search me, you know me, everything within me you, you know. And David is aware, wherever I am, the Lord sees me. So, there were the times that David was in Jerusalem, near to the temple, near to God. Of course, God would know and would see him. But when David was far away, when he couldn't be in Jerusalem because of his enemies, when he was far away, a sort of exile, then the Lord would also see him. Wherever he was, the Lord saw him. And David is very aware that from the earliest beginnings of his life, the Lord was his creator. The Lord had destined him to be God's anointed, saving king for Israel. The one who would prefigure God's great Messiah. So for David, it was very comforting to think of the Lord's attributes. Now we may be a bit amazed here because think of God that you are continually in his attention. For that's what the psalm says. You are continually in his attention. Even on those moments that God was not in your attention, you are in God's attention. Is that comforting? On the one hand, oh yes, it's very comforting. On the other hand, it also implies God knows everything. He searches your heart. He knows every thought. You can't hide for God. Is that only comforting? It's in some way also confronting us. And... Yeah, you might be a bit nervous about that idea that you are continually in God's 
attention. So it seems that David is aware of the fact that still, though there has been sin in his life, then God would not let him go. Yeah, God is critical. God knows the problems in David's life. He would not let him go, but he would bring it up. Say, David, what are you doing? For instance, with Bathsheba, he would say, uh, you are that man, you should repent. But the great comfort for David still was that, as we read in verse... Um, where is it? Uh, as we read in verse 18, the conclusion of the first part of the psalm, when I awake, I am still with you. So the Lord and David, they were not, it was not possible to separate them from one another. So first part, any time that David thinks about the fact that he is in the attention of the Lord, he praises God. So you see utterances of amazement and praise in verse 6, verse 14, verses 17 and 18. Time after time again when he thinks of God's omniscience, God knows everything, he is amazed. When he thinks of God's omnipresence, that the Lord is everywhere, he is amazed and praises God. When he thinks of God having made him and prepared him in a wonderful way, God as his creator and the one who is in control of all the days, again, he praises God. So how good to do that, to, to be aware that you are in God's attention. So do not start to meditate upon your problems, your worries, your concerns, but take time to meditate upon the fact that you are in God's attention. Now in the second part of the psalm, the fact that David knows the Lord is with me, the Lord is still with me, David uses that um, to take his position in prayer in his current situation. And these verses are not the most popular verses of Psalm 139. They are quite straight language. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O man of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Striking words, aren't these? I have been asked many times to, to read this psalm, for instance, with a baptism uh, with a marriage, and many times also with a funeral, but many times as well people would ask me, could you please omit these verses? We don't like these verses. Uh, yeah. I, I, I can understand. However, I think they really belong to this song. Let me try to explain you why, and let me also try to show you where, what, why this is not just Old Testament, it's New Testament as well. Um, Imagine David, he couldn't be in Jerusalem, for instance, because he fled from Absalom or so. He, he was far away. And some people around him who use the name of the Lord for these enemies David is talking about here are not just the unbelievers, not the unbelieving world. He is he's not talking about the Philistines. 
and, and those who were exiled should not think of the Babylonians. No, David is thinking about persons around him who, so to say, tempt him to think, we will never get back in Jerusalem. That will never happen. The Lord doesn't see us anymore. The Lord doesn't know us. Let's have our own paradise here. Let's be happy with living with the Philistines or living here. And let's give up about living a life for the Lord and expect the Lord to work. Well, in some way that was a sort of a temptation for David. You could also think of Joseph. The children are now thinking of Joseph. Joseph was tempted by the wife of Potiphar. Joseph was a young boy. He was so left by his brothers and treated in, a, in, a, in, a, in an awful manner. And then this perhaps beautiful lady asks him, sleep with me. Now, this may have been a real temptation for Joseph. God has forgo- for- forgotten about me. These promises were not true. So we are, why, why should I bother? Why, why couldn't I sleep with this wife? This is a temptation for God's people any time. To think God has forgotten you. To think God doesn't see you any longer. But what should you do in such a case? Well, what is David doing in his prayer here? First, he delivers it over to the Lord. So before you think this is hate speech, it's dangerous. David is a dangerous man because of this speech. He delivers the problem over to God. He says, God, see how they are trying to tempt me. Please take care of them. That's also the New Testament style. If you are treated badly, if you have enemies, well, continue to be a Christian. And, 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 and your angry feelings, bring them to God. You may do that. And then David takes his position. O oh, man of blood, depart from me. Don't continue to speak this way to me. I will follow the Lord. I will trust the Lord. Whatever you say, however you are, although you are tempting me. And then he even speaks about hate. Hate against those who hate the Lord. It's not so much about hate towards those who hate him it's hate towards those who hate God now hate we must be very cautious here of course but hatred has also something to do with um, take distance from someone or something and if you think this, is, this has nothing to do with Jesus well remember what did Jesus say for instance when he called people to follow him he said if you do not hate your father, your mother, your wife, your brother, your sister, and take up your cross and follow me. You, you can't follow me if you don't take a strong distance. If your father says, no, 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 don't be baptized, no, 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 don't go to church, then, then you, sh- yeah, you should not want to kill your father or so, but you should take your position, take a different decision. That should be in you, and we also see it in, in, in Jesus, for instance, in the book of Revelation to the church of Ephesus, Jesus says, This you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So yes, as a Christian, you have to 
to, to choose your position time after time. Again, you shouldn't compromise with this world and with temptation. So that's the next part in the psalm. First, meditating upon the Lord's attributes and praise God. And then take your position, which means I will continue to follow Jesus. I won't give up. And that's also the way the psalm ends, last verses 23-24. He asks the Lord to, to look at him as, as a doctor does. Please, Lord, see whether there are troubles in me. Please, Lord, see whether there are problems that hinder me to enter into your kingdom. I want to be back in Jerusalem. I want to be with you in your kingdom. So please, if there is something in me that leads me astray, then, then, then show it to me that I might repent and that I might follow you. So this is what the psalm is all about. A prayer for us to persevere, to hold on. But is this really our psalm? In some way, I believe we should be honest and we should admit it's not really our soul. For many times, perhaps, we don't like that idea that God knows and sees and that God has a plan that we should follow. And many times we do not really like to take our position. We, we, we'd rather compromise with sin or with living a worldly life. We are the people who, who, who are inclined to, to give up and we don't the Lord, want the Lord to ask us critical questions. So in some way, no, it's not our psalm. But let's be aware that this psalm first and foremost is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. As we have seen with all the psalms, this psalm is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, from the time that he was young, he learned these psalms. He knew them by heart. He prayed with these psalms. This applies to this psalm as well. So see how it applies to Jesus. Jesus' way through life was hard as well. Which part was hardest, do you think? Think of Jesus being tempted in the desert by the devil. And think of Jesus hanging on the cross. Now I think both were hard great temptations but I assume we all agree that hanging on the cross was the harder part but Jesus was aware that the father knew him really knew him and saw him so Jesus says nobody knows the son except the father Jesus has so much comfort in being aware that the Father knows him. And wherever Jesus was, he knew that the Father saw him. So when he was with the Father, of course, the Father saw him. But the Father also saw him when he was born in this dark world. The Father also saw him in the darkness hanging on the cross. When he descended into hell and when he was buried and, 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 and among the death, the father still saw him. Jesus was aware that the Lord had, that, that, God, that his God had prepared him from his mother's womb, conceived from the Virgin Mary. He was destined to be the savior king for this world. And Jesus took his position, as this psalm mentions, 
when Satan tempted him, wanted to um, tempt him and, and, and have it all know and be unfaithful to God, he said, go away, Satan. Jesus would even say that to Peter, his own disciple. Jesus would even say when, when Peter said, well, let's not have all this suffering, uh, Master. Then, then Jesus would say to Peter, Peter, uh, go away, Satan, behind me. He called, for a while he called Peter Satan. He took his strong position uh, towards uh, Peter. Yes, and Jesus, he would be led by the Lord uh, and, and, and be helped until he was risen and was getting his position in the heavens. Now, perhaps Jesus did not pray, search me, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, see if there be any grievous way in me, for we know Jesus was sinless. However, this may also apply to Jesus in the sense that we who believe in him are his, his, his people, his bride, and he, wants, he, he considers us as belonging to him. And judgment begins at the household of God. So the Lord wants to search us, that we will be ready to meet him. That we won't compromise with sin, but that we will prepare to enter his kingdom and have our lights on and our wedding dress. So it's a, psal- a psalm for Jesus. But for those who have turned to Jesus and found his love and forgiveness, of course, it's also a psalm for us. We may use this wonderful, wonderful and powerful psalm to meditate upon the Lord's attributes. Here are the attributes of God the Father, but also the attributes of God the Son of Jesus. The Lord knows everything. This applies to us. Think of Peter, for instance. Before Peter denied his master, the Lord already knew and told Peter. And afterwards, when Jesus was risen and would meet Peter and would ask Peter, Do you love me, Peter? Peter would say, Lord, you know everything. So our Lord knows and perceives what is in us. We read this many times in the Gospels also of the Pharisees. Jesus perceiving what was in their hearts. And our Lord Jesus sees wherever we are. Think of Nathanael. Nathanael was brought to Jesus by Philip. And then Jesus said, uh, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathanael was completely amazed. How did you see me? Yes, I saw you. I knew you. Also in the book of Revelation, the risen Lord Jesus, he, he, he makes John send letters to several churches, and these letters all begin with, I know your works. So the Lord sees, he knows our situation. And we may know that as his church, we were destined, we were formed, and we were made to, to show his praises. His glory in this world. We are called to take our position. Our position that we don't give up about knowing God, following Jesus, expecting his kingdom. That we don't just live a life that we want to have our paradise here. No, we should 
awaken and see that the great wedding day, the coming of Jesus is, is coming. So we should take our position and we should prepare for that day. Next week we will celebrate Holy Communion. And you could say somehow celebrating Holy Communion is an exercise of preparation on that great day when we will celebrate the great Holy Communion, the great Lord's Supper with, with joy when his kingdom has come. So let's prepare. Let's be aware that we are not forgotten. Wherever you are and whatever is there in your life, the Lord knows. Take comfort of that. And wherever you go, I also say this today to John and Caitlin, they will depart from us. We feel sad about it. But wherever you live, whether it's here in this great country or when you go back to your great country, uh, the Lord is everywhere. So you're not alone, you're not lost, but we are all destined to be used in the plan of our Lord. Sometimes we go through difficult times and the last part of the journey is, not, is often not the easiest. But the Lord sees us and he comforts us. He has given us a wonderful book to spend time in. The Gospels and the letters of Paul, they contain much food for our mind to know what's going on. But there is also the book of Psalms. And here our hearts are nourished. We get food and we get new strength when we meditate upon the Lord's attributes. May the Lord help us in this. Amen. Lift up your hearts to God and receive the blessing of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face upon you and give you peace. Amen.